Hey guys, this is your girl Kendra Dion, and this is the Kendra Dion Patient Project, where patient and purpose collide. Woo, y'all! I don't know, child. This this thing is just so heavy. Okay, so I was studying and preparing for today, and the spirit just moved in a mighty way. So I'm excited about today's word. I pray that it um, will fall on fresh ground lord um i pray that you guys will be ready to receive what it is that the lord is pouring out on today it is a heavy word but it is a a necessary word this is an on-time word um like last week i pray that you guys will get something to take notes with because god is truly speaking on today's podcast um so you know, over the last couple of weeks, we have been talking about submission and hearing the voice of God. And so, you know, we're going to pick back up there and then God um, is just going to flow. I'm going to flow with what God gave me. Um, but so if you have been listening, then you understand we've been talking about the Egypt, um, the Israelites and how God wanted to take them into a land. But they had not learned his voice, so they were not in a place to receive what he wanted to give them. Um, and so today's podcast, it talks we, we're going to start there. We're going to talk about how, you know, God instructed Moses to send the 12 spies. Right. So they're supposed to be going into the promised land to confirm what God has said about the land. Right. And then we know that 10 of those 12 spies, they come back and they don't agree with the report of the Lord. They don't agree that this is a land that God has promised them and that they can um, overtake and possess. Right. But then we have two people. Um, out of those 12 spies who they agree with the word of the Lord, that is Caleb and Joshua. They say, you know what? No, if God says that we can overtake it and we can have this land, then let's go in and possess it. Right. And so, you know, those 12 spies, they're like, yeah, it is flowing with milk and honey. Look at these grapes we brought break. They, it's, it's, it has everything that the Lord has said. However, we can't possess that land. The people there are huge. We're like grasshoppers to them, meaning that we are just tiny little uh bugs on the ground we won't be able to overtake those people who live there right and i talked about how you know listening to the majority got the israelites a death sentence because they were afraid to go and possess what god wanted to give them and that's why it is important for us to learn the voice of god because we also discussed last week how in exodus god was trying to teach the children of israel his voice because he wanted to he wanted them to know his voice so that they, when he would tell Moses different things, they knew that, yes, they could trust the word of the Lord that was coming from Moses. But because they had failed to take that opportunity to learn the voice of God, now here they are. God is trying to usher them in to the promised land that he wants to give them and they um, are not in a place to receive it. But one thing that was super important that I, I pulled out of that was that. All 12 of those leaders of the 12 tribes of uh, Israel who went as spies into the promised land, all of them were there when God was trying to speak to the children of Israel in Exodus 20, right? And I said in Exodus 20 that all the Israelites, God was speaking and speaking to them through lightning and thunder, right? His voice was coming through lightning and thunder to the children of Israel, right? And they had got scared and they exposed us. They said, you know, you just go and get the word of the Lord and then you come report it back to us because they were afraid, right? And so it was amazing to me because it's so it shows you that 
Two people can be in the same setting, get the same word from God, and only one of those people um, get the message that God was trying to send, right? And so we have to be careful because you might be in a group of friends and y'all getting the same word. Maybe y'all go to the same church and y'all getting the same word of God, but only it's only taking root in you. For some reason, it's not taking root in them, right? And so then you begin to doubt yourself. Am I really hearing from God? Is this really what God wants me to do? Am I really supposed to be moving like this? Am I being too strict, right? And I know for me, I struggle with that sometimes because I'm like, no, maybe I'm just doing too much, right? Maybe I'm just taking this Christian walk too seriously. But no, if you're hearing something from God, if God is saying something to you, and just because those around you are not hearing it or abiding by what they're hearing, they they are hearing the same message but they're not applying it the same way to their life that does not mean that you are not getting this message and so what God said to me as I was studying this for today he said that it's not that the children of Israel like couldn't hear or understand what was being um, said, but that they were afraid of what God was saying. So when God was speaking through the lightning and thunder, it's not necessarily that they were afraid of the voice of God. They were afraid of what he was saying to them. Right. Because at that time, like I said, he was dealing out the um, Ten Commandments when he was speaking to them. And so after he gave the Ten Commandments, then they said, we're afraid we don't want to hear from him no more. You just go and tell us. Right. But so what God said is sometimes we're afraid of what um, God is requiring of us. So what he is saying to us is going to require something of us. And because it's requiring something, we get scared and we want to mute his voice out. We don't want to hear what he is saying because it's going to require too much. It's going to cost too much for us. And so what we end up doing is we try to go somewhere else and get a watered down version of what God was trying to say to us because it will make us comfortable. But we are not meant to be comfortable. And when God is speaking, the gospel doesn't make us comfortable. Right. And if you're getting a gospel that makes you comfortable and it doesn't require any change, you're not shifting. You're not growing. You've been in a, a certain ministry. And I'm not, and I'm, not blah, I'm not coming against different churches or ministries. But what I'm saying is if you're in a ministry where you're comfortable and you have not felt the need to pray. You have not felt the need to fast. You have not felt the need to get into your words to f further study what it is that they are teaching you. That is a problem because the gospel is meant to cause us to grow. It is meant to push us into growth and it is to show us how to be who God wants us to be is to teach us what he wants us to do and is to show us where he wants us to go. If that if you're if the gospel is not changing who you are, teaching you what you should be doing or showing you where you should be going, that is a problem because the gospel is not meant for us to stay the same. We should not be comfortable when we are tr receiving the word of God. There should be some type of change, guys. OK, so we have to be careful of any ministry that isn't pushing us into growth, that is not growing us up. We, we should not remain babes in Christ. We should not have this sugar, uh, sugar coated gospel, this watered down gospel where we don't feel the need to change, where our our spirit man is not yearning to grow, where our flesh is not having to be killed. OK, one sign that, you know, that you are growing is that your flesh gets uncomfortable. OK, because there is some slaying that has to be done of the flesh. The flesh cannot remain when the spirit is growing. OK, and so earlier this week, God is so faithful. I was um, 
doing part of this reading plan I have been doing and I was in the book of revelations and I was reading chapters two and three and the Holy Spirit pressed upon me to do a study on um, revelations two and three right and so at the time this is why being obedient and hearing his voice right is so important because at the time I was already working on another study from last week and so I'm like God why you want me to study this? This don't have nothing to do with that, right? And I felt like, you know, I was taking time out of doing that study, but I was just obedient. I didn't truly understand why, but that's because I was meant to share it on today's podcast. And so I go and I start doing this study on Revelations 2 and 3. And in Revelations 2 and 3, we find John, he's on the island of Patmos, right? And God has given him these revelations. He's in the spirit. He says he's in the spirit. And so God is starting to feed these things to him, right? These messages to him. And so in Revelations um, 2 um, and 3, we see that Jesus is there. It says he's the, the son of man is there and he has seven stars and seven um, lamps. Um, lampstands right and so the seven stars represent seven angels and the seven lampstands uh, represent seven churches and so these angels are being sent to send messages to these seven churches so I wanted to park on revelations 3 if we go to revelations 3 1 and 6 we will see that God is now beginning to address the church of Sardis okay and so in the church of Sardis he says that he knows their deeds and although they have a reputation for being alive they are really dead and he instructs them and he says that they need to wake up strengthen and reaffirm what remains of their faithful commitment to him because he hasn't found their um deeds completed in his sight or meeting his requirements right so basically what god was saying to them is okay you have a, a reputation you know people know you people think that you're alive and well but in my eyes you're dead you're not doing what I believe you should be doing. The church is not operating to the capacity that I believe they should be operating to. That's what God is saying to them, right? He said, in my eyes, you your, your, your deeds are incompleted and you're not meeting my requirements, okay? And so then I said, well, you know, what is the church supposed to be doing, right? Like, that's the next question. Like, okay, well, what deeds should they be doing? What, should, what, what are they not meeting? What requirements are they not meeting, right? And the thing is, what the Holy Spirit revealed to me this week while I was doing this podcast is that each of those seven churches that um, God was addressing, they all were um, representing a us now they were representing the current state of the church and so the church of sardis is the church now right so we are not fully um completing the task for which god has called us to do in this hour we're not meeting his requirements and so that took me to mark 16 um 15 through 18 and it says he said to them go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation he who has believed in me and has been baptized will be saved from the penalty of God's wrath and judgment. But he who has not believed will be condemned. These signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will get well. So when I read it, I said, so these are the things, these are the deeds, these are the requirements, the signs that should be following us. This is the sign. These are the signs of a healthy church. So 
the next question the Holy Spirit prompted me with was why are people in these huge ministries, all these people going to church and nothing is changing in their lives? Like I said earlier, there should be something that is evident about your walk with God. Something should be showing that you have a relationship with God. And so we think we're alive. We think we're well because we get up and we go to church every Sunday. Right. And I'm guilty of this, too. So I'm not saying this in condemnation to anybody. But how many people that are in our personal lives, our individual lives, family members, friends, co-workers, neighbors, people who we have influence, we have that we have their ear, we have the ability to speak to them. How many of them have had a positive change in their life because of their relationship with us? Because the thing is, we have to understand that the church is not a place. The church is the people. Right. And so basically what that is saying, what this scripture is saying is that, OK, I have this church. I have all these people who claim to be Christians, who claim to be a part of the body of Christ. And yet people are not changing. Their lives are not being shifted. You know, like the, the scripture said that we should be able to cast out demons. We should be speaking in new tongues. We should be able to pick up serpents or drink things that are deadly and not be harmed. Right. We should lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And none of these things are happening. So as far as God is concerned, he doesn't care that we have packed out uh, sanctuaries every Sunday if these things are not taking place, because that means the church has no real power. OK. So Jesus didn't say, you know, um, when Jesus is sending out this commission, he says, go out into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He didn't say anything about staying together and having church on Sundays. He ain't say nothing about go have good church. Nothing at all. And so we think because certain ministries and certain pastors have a, a huge platform that the church is alive and well. And Jesus is like, nah, I'm not impressed. He said, we're not meeting his requirements and his deeds are not completed. So it's no reason. He said, it's no reason for there to be so many um, unsaved people going to hell with so many people claiming to be a part of the body of Christ. Like the numbers are not matching up. If, if, if this is many people who are claiming to be a part of the body of Christ and claiming that the church is well and alive and it's growing. is no reason that there are so many people going to hell. And so this took me this this um, earlier this week. I had been watching these videos by this guy named Nabil Qureshi. And I had heard about him like two years ago when he had passed away. He had um, passed away from cancer, but he was a Muslim who had converted to Christianity. Right. And so his, his story was just like amazing to me. So earlier this week, I was reminded of him through social media. Somebody had posted something about him. Um, and so I went on um, YouTube and started watching some of his videos. Right. And so one thing that he said that really stuck out to me when I was watching the video was that he had encountered like many, many Christians um, when he was in college. Right. He said, but it was this one girl who finally, you know, had the courage to come up, him, come up to him and ask him, like, did he know uh, Jesus? And he said that not one of the other Christians that he had met prior to her had ever asked him you know, if he knew Jesus. And he said that, you know, to him as a Muslim, you know, he knew what Christians believe. Like he knew that we believe that Jesus was the son of God and without the confession of our belief, you, I mean, you know, yeah, without the confession of your belief that you would go to hell. Right. So he said he knew that Christ, all those Christians that he was encountering 
thought he was going to hell, right? Because he was Muslim and he wouldn't confess that Jesus was the son of God or Jesus was the Lord or that God raised him from the dead, right? Um, and so he said as a Muslim, because the Christians wouldn't confront him or ask him or, you know, even just try to witness to him, he said that he thought that, you know, either they didn't believe, believe it, fully believe that he would go to hell or that they didn't care that he would go to hell, right? And I just thought that was so, so like crazy because I'm just like, wow, how many people in our daily lives who know that we are Christians believe the same thing or think the same way? Like she don't ever try to share Jesus with me or she don't ever try to witness to me. So maybe she don't really believe it or, you know, what I'm saying like that maybe that, that could be speaking to their belief, their their unbelief, thinking she don't really believe that or she don't care that I go to hell. How many people are thinking that about us, that we don't care if they go to hell or that we don't truly believe that Jesus is the son of God. And that's why we are not sharing it. Um, the other thing that he said, Nabil Karashi, was that, um, you know, when he went to. So, you know, after she asked him, did he know about Jesus? You know, he killed her about her beliefs. It's like he wasn't about to just say, oh, yeah, I heard of him and, and convert. No. So he killed her about her beliefs and he said that she was not in a place to defend her beliefs. Right. And so that made me just think, like, how many people don't share, um, you know, the gospel because they're not in a place to defend their beliefs. Like they're not in a place to truly like defend what they believe. They don't have the tools to defend their faith, you know, when the hard questions come. So if we go to a Muslim or a Buddhist or an atheist and they start to challenge us back, we don't have the tools necessary to defend our faith, right? And so as I'm thinking about all these things, the Holy Spirit said, that's not a good reason not to share the gospel. Like, that's not a good cop-out. If God says, yo, I gave you 250 souls that you came in contact with and you ain't witness to not one of them. What are you going to say? What is your going? What's going to be your defense? God, I didn't have I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to. That's not good. That's not going to be a good enough reason or excuse to go before God as to why you didn't win the souls that he had, you know, given you influence over the people who he had allowed you to be in their lives to witness to. OK, and that takes me to Second Timothy 2.15, where um, and this is the Amplified Version says, study and do your best to present yourself to God approved. A workman tested by trial who has no reason to be ashamed, accurately handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. Right. And so as believers, it is our job to study and to know the word of truth or God so accurately that. Um, it shows us approved to God, right, that we truly believe in him and what he's done, but also that we're in a place that we're, we're, we're in a place where we can share and defend the word to non-believers in a way that when we are done and we walk away, that they know the truth. Right. So we need to be able to share the gospel and defend it in a way that when that person you know, goes before God, they will be without excuse. They won't be able to say, oh, yeah, you, Kendra was in my life, but, and she was a Christian, but she ain't never shared your word with me. No, like they won't be able to walk away and say that they did not know because I didn't share it with them. Okay. Also, you know, we, the thing is, even when you go and you share the word, I think sometimes we get so caught up 
and and the person being converted in that moment. And like I said with him, his testimony wasn't that. It was years before he actually converted, right? But, you know, the Bible says one plants a seed, one waters, but God reaps the harvest. And so we don't have to carry or wear the responsibility of converting people into accepting the truth of God. But we should be in a place to share and defend it um, fully with the people that we encounter. So on Judgment Day, like I said, they are without excuse. Okay. And so that takes me back to Revelation 3. Three, okay, I didn't forget where I started, guys. Um, and so after you know, God is telling them that you know, y'all think y'all alive, but y'all really did. Um, and it's time, He said, it's time to wake up and remember and take to heart, um, the lessons that you received and heard. And He said, to keep and obey them, okay? So that was important because it's knowing something and doing something are two different things. And so He's saying, it's not good enough just to remember. Um, what I said, he said, but you also have to keep it and obey it. Right. He said it is important for us to put into practice the things that we have learned. OK, so it's not good enough to just remember what he said. Some of us, we get saved. We know Jesus is Lord and that's it. And we keep going on about life the same way. Nothing changes in us. Right. But no, it's time for us to get to a place where we're keeping and obeying the word of God. OK. Um, and then the second half of that verse, he says that if we don't repent and wake up, that he is going to come like a thief in the night. Right. So later for all that thinking that we have time to, um, you know, get right for ourselves or that we have time to witness to that family member or witness to that neighbor or witness to that coworker. Like, no, it's time for us to get busy and repent for our laziness. Um, to repent for being so casual and really go forth and start sharing the gospel with those we have influence over. Because there are people who are perishing. Every unsaved person that we know that we um, aren't ministering to, they are perishing. Okay, we looking at dead men walking because of our refusal to witness to them. So my question to you guys is, are you going to be the mouthpiece of God and share what the word of the Lord is, confirm what the word of the Lord is? Because at the end of the day, the thing is, there is still a promised land for the children of God. And that is the New Jerusalem. That's where all of the people who are who have survived the rapture, who have been found, you know, worthy of the call, who have, you know, walked up right and been found blameless in the sight of God. That's where we're going to go. We're going to go to the New Jerusalem. That's the promised land for the children of God who has believed on the Lord. So will you be ready and will your loved ones be ready? Guys, I really encourage you guys to just ask the Lord, who is it that he wants you to witness to this week? Ask him to speak more clearly to you. Create a space and time to hear from him because it's work that needs to be done. And this is the hour to do it. I love you guys. I pray that this week blessed you. Talk to you next week. <laughs>